This is Hope FM. Well, as you know, life is fragile, and, and every so often we, we lose somebody that almost or some of us is part of the furniture. Now, Harvey Thomas, you may or you may not have heard of him, but he was one of the movers and shakers in the Billy Graham uh, Crusades. He was a great uh, PR man and crusade director in many uh, of, of those meetings. But on top of that, he was also a PR director to Margaret Thatcher. He was right there, of course, uh, when the Brighton bomb happened. Well, last week, sadly, uh, Harvey died at the age of 82. And we thought that we'd pay tribute to him. Now, the best way we thought of doing that is to play some music and words. And you'll hear Harvey speaking himself. But let's begin. Imagine yourself at one of those great Billy Graham uh, rallies and the choir uh, strikes up and this is what they sing. This is Hope FM. And of course, that was Majesty bringing back uh, great memories of the Billy Graham missions, uh, both here in the UK and around the world. Well, this morning we're paying tribute to a real titan of the faith, Harvey Thomas, who in fact from 1960 to 1975 produced Billy Graham's rallies around the world before moving back to the United Kingdom. Sadly, he passed away last week at the age of 82. During his time, uh, Harvey Thomas was the chairman of the Fellowship of uh, European Broadcasters. He was a trustee of Transworld Radio and with his wife, Marlies, he was the executive director of the African Enterprise UK. Uh, But one of the interesting things that he did, just one of the things, from 1978 to 1991, he served as a consultant and field director for the Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and the Conservative Party and as a result he was awarded a CBE for his services to the Prime Minister. But on October the 12th 1984 while producing one of those conferences staying at the Grand Hotel in Brighton he was a victim of the IRA bombing there. And, of course, that was a dramatic incident that made news all over the world. Interestingly, Harvey, the former press director of Margaret Thatcher, survived that bombing, but later forgave the man responsible in the IRA, Patrick McGee. And here's Harvey talking about that whole story and about forgiveness for that person. I've been back in the Grand Hotel after almost 30 years, actually just over 30 years. It's a kind of an unreal experience because everything is beautiful, all the place has been rebuilt and you have to sort of close your eyes and say what was it like the night the bomb went off in 1984. I had been uh, that night rehearsing with Mrs Thatcher the speech that she was going to make the next day which was the major conference speech. This is the Grand Hotel at 4 a.m. in the morning after the bomb. And up here there's one window. There were two other windows alongside it. And the bomb was immediately underneath. I was behind those two windows so that the bomb in room 629 went off. My body went up like this. And uh, all this time my body was being twisted around everywhere in the explosion. 
And what came to my mind was um, a verse from the first, uh, first John 1 John 1.9, in which uh, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I remember saying to the Lord, I haven't got much time right now, so would you take all my sins as put them together because I haven't got time to go into any detail. And it's, it's funny in the middle of tragedy, but you, you can't explain how the mind works. And then my body crashed down. It went uh, up one floor through the ceiling, down three floors, and it caught on a steel girder sitting out just below the fifth floor. And then they told me about 10 tons of rubble fell on top of me. And for the first few minutes, I don't know how long, I had no doubt at all I was going to die. Absolutely no doubt at all. I I am going to die. I knew it. And that was okay, because as a Christian, I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to be with the Lord. That was all right. But I knew my wife, Marlies, was at home, overdue with our first baby. And I was worried that she would have no husband and the baby would have no daddy. And then I lay, and 45 minutes later, these marvelous firemen finally dug me out of all the rubble. My name's Harvey Thomas, and I forgave the man who tried to kill me. It took me a long time to forgive Patrick. It wasn't so much that I was hating him or anything of that kind, it was simply that it never occurred to me. As I think it often doesn't occur to people when someone has wronged you in whatever degree to say, uh, I forgive. And it just didn't, it just didn't occur to me. If, if you ask me, did Patrick deserve forgiveness, that had nothing to do with it as far as I was concerned. Because when I was reading Matthew chapter 6, it then says, if you don't forgive, your father won't forgive. Forgiveness for everything. It's, it's a, an unconditional um, attitude that says, okay, whatever you've done, it is forgiven. That's what God does to us uh, when we believe in Christ. But it took me a long time to say, Pat, I forgive you for what you did. Forgiveness and forgetting is not the same thing at all. Um, forgiving is uh, forgiving is a change in relationship. Forgetting is an action of the mind. I don't forget anything about the bomb. I don't forget the fact that Pat McGee put it there. And I don't think it is necessary to forget. It's just that your attitude towards it changes completely once you have taken that step of forgiveness. When I think about the final act of forgiveness, it, uh, I think strength and weakness didn't come into it at all. I certainly did not feel either weak or soft or gentle. I thought, oh dear, I should have done this many years ago. But, but forgiving is not a weakness. Forgiving, if anything, is a strength. But I said I, I hesitate to claim it as a strength because it took me so long. And then I was preaching at a church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was preaching on Matthew chapter 6 and and Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer and before and after it. And it dawned on me, I was preaching about forgiveness but not doing it. So I said to this, the audience who was there, I said, it dawns on me, I'm being a hypocrite here. I'm, I'm speaking about forgiveness and saying that Jesus taught us to forgive and that I'm not doing it. So I will go home and I will write to Patrick McGee. Uh, the Brighton bomb, and I would say, I forgive you. And I came home and I said to Marlise, my wife, you know, I think I, I have to write and tell Patrick I forgive him. I think the important thing here was that I could only do it for myself. 
I couldn't say to Patrick, I forgive you on behalf of anybody else, whether it's God or those who he'd seriously injured or killed and their families. Um, I could only do it for me. And he wrote a very gracious letter back. Uh, then three years later, Tony Blair released all the Irish prisoners. And Pat had not asked to be released. He said, I realize you do these things, you must face the punishment for them. And then I went to see him in Ireland. Pat and I met for the first time uh, in about the year 2000. He'd been released from prison, and I'd written to a friend in Dublin called Anne Gallagher, whose brothers had been part of a hunger strike. And she was running a kind of a peace organization, and she knew how to get hold of Pat. And I said, would you ask him if he would meet with me at your home? Because I'd written to him and we'd exchanged correspondence. She phoned me back, said, yes, he'll come here. And uh, I just flew to Dublin, took a taxi to her house and sat waiting in her back living room. And the door opened and in walks Patrick McGee. I think it was brave of him uh, to do that meeting because he had no idea what was going to happen. And um, he told me afterwards that when he first came to meet me in about the year 2000, um, he walked around the block of buildings about three times looking for my security. And of course, I'd just taken a plane to Dublin and a taxi to the house. He was tense, uh, perhaps a little nervous, but he was absolutely willing. And we just sat down and I told him who I was and we, and we spoke a little bit. And gradually we spoke for four or five hours and we began to see each other as we normally were, normal human beings. And I said to him, look, I can only say I'm here. As far as I'm concerned, um, the bomb is forgiven from my point of view. Therefore, we can start afresh. He did not feel in that sense, I personally need forgiveness. Um, since then, I think he's understood more about the hurt that the bomb caused. Well, I know he has because he says so. I understand how I've hurt people, hurt families, damaged people, and that he deeply regrets. But at the time, he felt there was no option because that was a case of war. So I think that he's become important, but I don't think before it all happened and before we began the relationship that he saw it as a necessity. I think the action of violence was wrong in every sense of the word. A hundred percent, it was wrong. I understand how it happened. The nationalists have been terribly badly treated by the British for 200 years. I know Pat deeply regrets the people who were hurt or killed because of the actions, but I know that he still finds it very difficult thinking of anything else that could be done. And sadly, I suspect that history will prove him right. Not morally right, not spiritually right. It's wrong, but Historically, if there had not been a violent uprising in Northern Ireland, we would probably still be treating the Irish and behaving terribly towards them. He had not given any thought from the point of view of the human value because he'd been in jail. He'd been, he'd been in jail for 15 years, uh, in, in clo closed up in the maze prisons in, in Northern Ireland. So when we met, it was quite a sort of a, an opening of the doors for both of us. And I think we both learned a huge amount. In 2001, um, I got a call from the London Evening Paper, the London Evening Standard, 
and they said, we have heard a rumor, Harvey, that you have forgiven and made friends with the Brighton bomber, Patrick McGee. So I said, yes, that's right. And they said, well, when did this happen? So I said, about three years ago. So this, this reporter said, well, why didn't we know about it? I said, it was none of your business. <laughs> and he said, well, is it a secret? I said, no, it's just something private and personal. Well, I knew at that point it was going to be in all the newspapers the next morning. And sure enough, it was. So what I did that afternoon was I got hold of everybody who had lost a relative in the bomb, the five families. I got hold of Mrs. Thatcher in her office. I got hold of Norman Tebbit, uh, who was a cabinet minister, a wonderful man. Um, and I, I sent all of them a copy of my letter to Patrick McGee, which said, I may only speak on my own behalf. I have no right to speak on behalf of anyone else. When they got that letter, they all said, we agree that Harvey should do what he thinks is right. They did not all agree that Patrick should be forgiven. Uh, but they all said, we support Harvey in doing what he believes is right. And to this day, those who are still alive still disagree with me. But my mother did not approve although she was not against it. She said, I must do what's right. Marlies and the girls um, supported me wholeheartedly. And in fact, they would consider themselves very good friends with Patrick McGee today, all three of them. We invited Pat to come over to our house when he was in London about 2001, at which our youngest daughter, Lani, would then have been uh, 15 and Leah would have been 17 and the older one. And we sat around the breakfast table eating baked beans. And Lani, the youngest daughter, looked across the table at Pat and she said, Pat, you do realize, because Lani was born two years after Leah, after the bomb. She said, Pat, you do realize if you had succeeded in killing daddy, I wouldn't be here. Uh, and he was in tears. He said, I can't believe I'm here just because of your faith. When, when I forgave Pat, it was, I'm not quite sure what my feeling was. It wasn't relief exactly. It was just suddenly I did feel a confidence that I had done what God wanted me to do. Um, that I'd never really thought about seriously before in that context. So it, it in a sense, relieved uh, pressure. But I hadn't been aware that that pressure was there. So therefore it was something brand new uh, as far as that was concerned. And I certainly felt as I wrote the letter, I know I'm doing the right thing. I think Desmond Tutu had a very good point. You do feel different after you've forgiven. Um, but I think that is an effect, not a cause. You don't forgive in order to feel better. And many people have been challenged to forgive because of the relationship that Pat and I have developed. Uh, realizing it can be done. Um, but again, now it's done, it seems simple to look back on, but I keep having to remind myself it took me 14 years to get there. Very often, forgiveness may not be deserved, but it may nevertheless be the right thing to do. It is not possible for all of us to do exactly the same thing, and I think we have to recognize, back to the first letter I wrote to Pat, I have the right to say I forgive you for what you did to me. I have no right to either accuse you or forgive you for something that you've done to somebody else.
And I think that's the same thing with people who need to forgive. They should ask themselves the question, should I forgive? And then can I forgive? This can poison people's lives, not being able to forgive the small things. And I think much more often it's the small things we need to forgive because very often there aren't that many very big things. Pat and I, are, I would both consider ourselves friends. And uh, he knows that he can rely on me and I trust him completely. Harvick Thomas, who passed away. Whatever that? there was is long gone and it went with forgiveness. In the end, everything can be forgiven. Harry passed away last week, aged 82. And there you heard him speaking about forgiving the Brighton bomber, Patrick uh, McGee. And here is a song uh, that recognises the strength of forgiveness, sung uh, by uh, uh, the wonderful uh, uh, Matthew Ward, and it's called Forgiveness. This is Hope FM. Well, the Lord's Prayer does say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That was uh, Matthew Ward there uh, singing about uh, forgiveness. Something, of course, that Harvey Thomas, the late Harvey Thomas, uh, practically did to uh, Patrick uh, McGee. Ian. Uh, well, of course, he was talking there about this incident, the Brighton bombing, and as we said, the forgiveness of the Brighton bomber, Patrick McGee. Um, I was very privileged to know Harvey and spent uh, a number of occasions with him. But one comes back to my memory more than any other. And that is that we were meeting um, in a restaurant in Oxford, uh, a group of people, uh, and Harvey was there as the after dinner speaker. It wasn't that long uh, after the Brighton bombing, probably uh, a couple of years. And uh, as I walked uh, towards the uh, bar in the restaurant, uh, the landlord said to me, is that the real Harvey Thomas? And I said, uh, yes, it is. And I think he must have known Harvey from uh, the occasions that he'd seen him, maybe at a Conservative Party conference or something similar. And he said, well, what, what is he doing here? Is he just having dinner? So I said, no, he's the after-dinner speaker uh, for our group. And so the landlord said, do you think if we gave him a microphone, he would be willing to let other people in the restaurant listen? And to my amazement, I said, well, I, I would need to ask Harvey. So I asked Harvey and Harvey said, I'm very happy. I'm just going to say the same things. And he told the story about being in the Brighton bombing. And although he alluded to that in our clip from the, uh, from the documentary there taken uh, in Brighton, uh, what we don't grasp quite is that he went up in the bombing up one floor and then down three floors and it looked like any possibility of him surviving just was just out of the window but the firemen dug him out from under all that rubble and I think they were amazed that he was alive and the expression was an interesting one the firemen said to him 
I think your bulk saved you, Mr. Thomas. Now, Harvey was quite a big guy, uh, but to survive that was amazing. And to believe that God had delivered him in that situation, and as we heard on the documentary, then being able to forgive the Brighton uh, bomber. His children, Leah and Lani, said this, He was a hero of faith and has now gone home. Daddy taught us so much about what it means to live a life full of integrity, forgiveness, faith and love. His kindness and determination, always to do what he felt was right, left a lasting impact on all those he met. We grieve and miss him so deeply, but heaven rejoices. He came just as he was. This is Hope FM. Well, of course, as you heard at the beginning of our tribute, Harvey Thomas uh, was often crusade director for many of the Billy Graham uh, rallies. And he'd be remembered for that, as well, of course, as being uh, the PR director to uh, Margaret Thatcher. But most importantly, he'll be remembered in the hearts and lives uh, uh, of his children and those who knew him. And they were they were legion. He had many, many friends. Uh, Ian. The and there's going to be a Thanksgiving service for Harvey Thomas tomorrow, 23rd of March at 2.30pm at Oakwood Baptist Church, Merivale, London. And of course, if you weren't able to get to that, uh, apparently it's going to be streamed as well. And if you were interested to uh, be part of that Thanksgiving service and listen in, uh, you can write to Leah at leahsax.com that's leah at leahsax.com uh, and she will provide uh, the links for you to join that special thanksgiving service and i'm sure that that will be a a, a triumphant thanksgiving service as many as many of course of these these thanksgiving services are because harvey was a life uh, well lived well let's move on in terms of music this is hope fm